This is a Federal News Network podcast. For federal automobile fleets, the gasoline engine still reigns supreme. Of some 650,000 vehicles, probably two-thirds are conventionally powered. A lot use flex fuel, but hybrid and electric cars, those are rare still. For why, we check in with the Director of Physical Infrastructure Issues at the Government Accountability Office, Andrew Van Ah. Mr. Van Ah, good to have you back. Tom, thank you for having me. A pleasure to be here. So what made you look at the composition of the federal fleet? This is a request that came from the Senate Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee. Um, there's been a longstanding concern about uh, federal vehicle fleets and, and meeting various federal targets. Uh, GAO's had a history of looking at some of the conflicting requirements that uh, existed in, in the past and, and agency struggles to meet those those targets. Sure. So the result is that the federal fleet looks pretty much like an Avis parking lot, the same dull little gas-powered sedan. <laughs> for the most part? That's that's right. Uh, the, the conventional fuel vehicles continue to dominate the, the fleet. Um, although there has been some progress towards incorporating other types of vehicles, flex fuel vehicles, uh, hybrid vehicles largely, and a few electric vehicles where, where uh, agencies uh, feel it makes sense and meets the, the needs of their fleets. Has one of the, well, first of all, give us some of the statistics. Uh, I mentioned 600, it's not quite 650,000. What are the percentages here? Sure, it's over 600,000 vehicles, and about, um, as of the last fiscal year, 38% of all of them were what we consider uh, alternative fuel vehicles, and, and those include flex fuel vehicles, uh, hybrids, uh, hybrid electrics, um, and plug in vehicles. So um, of that 38%, about uh, nearly 90% of those are still flex fuel vehicles. So largely we're meeting the requirement for alternative fuel vehicles uh, through those vehicles that run on E85 uh, or, uh, or gasoline. Uh, about 11% of that uh, group of alternative fuel vehicles were hybrid vehicles and less than 1% were electric vehicles. And why is that? I guess there's a lot of issues with non-gas-powered cars, starting with cost and maybe country of origin? Well, it's mostly cost, uh, but there were a couple of other challenges that uh, agencies mentioned in, in terms of getting these vehicles into their fleet. One of the, the big challenges is simply the, the, the mission needs of, of the agency. Uh, so for some uses, uh, particularly some agencies that have a need for four-wheel drive vehicles or larger vehicles that are going out into uh, into uh, areas where uh, they need more capacity, um, the those, those types of vehicles just don't exist. Uh, so they're, they're usually either getting flex fuel vehicles or conventional fuel vehicles, easier or larger SUVs uh, and the like. Uh, and then cost. Uh, we found uh, in 2017, for example, it cost about $10 million more uh, for the vehicles purchased in that year uh, for the alternative fuel vehicles relative to, you know, if we had purchased conventional fuel vehicles with those with that money. Because a lot of the agencies use SUVs for the U, the utility part of it. And as you say, those don't really exist in very much choice for anything but Correct. gas powered. And also, what about the logistics of getting those things charged? Because sometimes companies introducing electric vehicles have to also provide the infrastructure so people will put things in their garage and so forth so you can plug them in. Well, that's correct as well. Um, we've, we've, we found that agencies did struggle in, in putting, putting electric charging infrastructure uh, into where they were using these vehicles. Uh, it can cost uh, significant um, amounts of money depending on the configuration. Uh, if a federal agency is leasing a building where they're uh, housing these vehicles, it may be difficult to work that into the lease. 
so there are a number of challenges in getting that electric charging infrastructure. Um, there's also sort of a challenge related to the best use of those electric vehicles when you when you can't when you when you when the agency uh, does want to get them, and that has to do with you know where electricity is the cleanest, right? So. Uh, to, to to get the best benefit out of these vehicles, you want to use them where you're you, you're getting electricity that's largely, you know, it's going to be solar or wind or natural gas powered versus uh, coal plants uh, and, and the like. So, uh, but but that's not a necessarily a, con, a consideration when these vehicles are being uh, incorporated into fleets. We're speaking with Andrew Von Ah, Director of Physical Infrastructure Issues at the Government Accountability Office. And with respect to the fleet efficiency requirements, what are they for the federal government and is the government meeting them? So generally, uh, the, the fleet requirements at this point are uh, to reduce greenhouse g- gas emissions. And there's, there are certain targets over a baseline that agencies are, are uh, meant to meet. Uh, and and to um, reduce petroleum use, um, there there were some other uh, requirements to incorporate electric fuel, uh, electric vehicles into fleets, and and these were removed last year. Uh, the Trump administration um, put out an executive order that uh, rescinded a, an Obama uh, era uh, uh, executive order that had that requirement, and so agencies do have a little more uh, some flexibility in terms of the types of vehicles that they uh, can purchase to meet those targets. We found that agencies, for the most part, were, were largely meeting those targets. Um, they, they were uh, about uh, 21 out of the 28 agencies we were looking at were meeting their greenhouse gish, uh, gas reduction targets and their petroleum use targets. Isn't most of the fleet controlled by the General Services Administration? Yes, GSA certainly. Um, you know, you can lease vehicles from GSA, and agencies purchase vehicles off of GSA schedules. So yes, absolutely, uh, General Services Administration is a key player here. So what are your recommendations? Because different agencies specify different vehicles. The mix varies so much according to the mission. You know, Customs and Border Protection versus, say, GSA itself. What can they do? Uh, well, we, and this report ended up not having any recommendations, um, although, you know, again, what we found was uh, agencies really are, are purchasing vehicles, uh, largely meeting the targets that they're, they're meant to be uh, meeting, but purchasing vehicles that are going to help them meet the, their mission needs. Um, and so, you know, given the change in the executive order, given that uh, agencies were still adjusting to the, to the new requirements and, the, and, and, and uh, hadn't really developed exactly the plans going forward, forward, uh, we didn't see that it was appropriate to make a recommendation at this time. So really, then it's kind of up to the agencies if they if they're meeting their goals generally for reduction of fossil fuels and so on, then it seems like a matter of choice whether they want to bother with what goes along with these unconventional or still emerging types of vehicles. Yeah, that's correct. And, and we actually talked to some agencies who had uh, already purchased some electric vehicles, had some charging infrastructure, and felt that they were useful vehicles to meet that particular need. Uh, so, for example, you can imagine on a on a big campus at a at a uh, you know a, a VA campus or a or a Department of Defense um, uh, base. There's, you know, a need to, to get around the base, it's, but, but it's sort of enclosed and, and not having those tailpipe emissions was, was seen as advantageous. Um, so, so some of these agencies do plan to continue to purchase electric vehicles where, where they can and where it makes sense within their budgets. Uh, so the, I, th- I think that will continue to go forward as, as, as agencies sort of see how they can meet their needs. 
It seems like on some of those intra-installation transportation needs like on base, how about electric mopeds? Absolutely. I'm sure that there, I'm sure there's uh, some people looking at those, although there are some safety concerns with those as well. Yes, indeed. Andrew Von Awe is Director of Physical Infrastructure Issues at the Government Accountability Office. As always, thanks so much. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. We'll post this interview along with a link to his report at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com. Want your business to have the best opportunity for success? Take a tip from tech industry leader Intel when you move or expand in Ohio. The new Silicon Heartland is the place forward-thinking business leaders find ample talent, a highly ranked business climate, convenient central location, plus an especially low-risk environment for site selection. Where else can you have all the room you need to grow while rubbing elbows with the giants in your industry? Visit successinohio.com today.